0: Hi there. Today you're listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich. This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Join me as I share some practical applications of the fruit of the Spirit. Here is where you can learn tools to cultivate things like love when you find your son sitting in paint, joy while cleaning up the paint, and peace in more areas besides just hiding in the bathroom. Yes. It is possible to love God, love others, and enjoy it.
1: Hi, welcome back to Fruit Pursuit. Today we are covering episode 19, which is Love is Speaking Up. Now, if you didn't have a chance to catch last week's episode, last week was all about Love is Listening. So these two episodes kind of go together. And if you didn't catch last week's, I encourage you, either before or after you finish this episode, check out last week's episode, Love is Listening. These really go hand in hand. Sometimes the appropriate thing to do is to listen. Other times the appropriate thing to do is speak up. And pretty often the appropriate thing to do is a little bit of both. Well, today we're going to cover three aspects of Times when it really is the loving thing to do to speak up. The first aspect of speaking up, the time when it is really important, is any time when you have an opportunity to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we have a chance to tell someone else that the joy of the Lord is our strength, when we have a chance to show that. God's glory is being revealed in our circumstances, in our experience. When we have a chance to testify that we are relying on God's ability to do things in and through us, and that that is the strength that we stand on, those are good times to speak up. The Bible says in Romans 1, 16 for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That includes everybody that they were, like all of the people in the area at the time. So we take that to mean everyone. Everyone on the entire face of the planet is available. The power of God to salvation the gospel is for everyone. It's not only just for everyone, but it's for every situation in life. It's for every circumstance. It's for any time we are struggling. The gospel of Jesus Christ is available as power and hope in those situations. And when we have a chance to really express that to other people, that is a loving choice. It's a loving choice, even if Honestly, it's not, we don't think it's going to be well-received. It's still a loving choice to testify to that. It can feel a little uncomfortable to express the gospel in different circumstances. We're not sure how somebody's going to handle it. We're not sure if they're really ready for it. But if you feel prompted to give God glory, I guarantee you, you'll do more harm than good if you keep it to yourself. Because The gospel really is the power that we have as believers to experience joy in our life, to experience freedom, to decide that we're going to take a different road and not serve man and the flesh, but we're going to serve from a place of love and believing that God provides abundance for our lives in spite of what the world is telling us or what's going on around us, that is the power of the gospel. That's the Holy Spirit's work. And when we give him credit, credit and it glorifies him, it inspires other people to want the same thing. That's the whole point of us being on the earth is to glorify God and to point other people to his glory as well. One of the ways that the... Gospel also compels me and I speak up about it is because I recognize that our heart condition is more important than our outward actions. Time and time again in the Bible, we see Jesus really reaching in and touching the heart of the issue before he deals with any kind of outward stuff. The woman at the well, he talks about the bread of life that she could, you know, and the, the water that she could drink from that she would never thirst again. He recognized that there was a longing in her heart that needed to be addressed. And it was in that context that then he talked about her promiscuous behavior and her situate her practical situation of living with a man that she wasn't married to and having had five husbands already he got to the heart of the matter before he tried to deal with anything on the outside he did that also with with other guys like the blind man that came to him and he chose to acknowledge that his sins were forgiven before he dealt with healing his blindness. This example helps me see that when I'm interacting with other people, that the gospel and the heart is really more important to get at than what they're wearing or the words that are coming out of their mouth or how they, the music they listen to, the movies that they like, what they're deciding to do with their life. It doesn't mean that I think that all of the things that other people do are right. But what it does do is it helps me have grace for those things because when people can't see the salvation of God, when they don't fully connect with his unconditional love, It's really hard for them to decide that they're going to serve that person, serve the personhood of God and change their way of being in the world or change what they decide is important. That's how we decide to do things differently is living out of love and adoration and gratefulness for a God who took us as we were as we are. So the first idea of love is speaking up when we have the opportunity to present the gospel of Jesus Christ as the remedy or solution to things that are going on in life, not only in the lives of ourselves, but in the lives of others. The second place that's a great place to speak up, and I'm definitely not going to cover all of the ways that you could have an opportunity to speak up in love, just covering three. But the second one is when someone has requested accountability. Now, this one isn't always pleasant. (laughs) I remember I have struggled with my weight and weight loss and exercise and getting discouraged around being able to lose weight successfully. I have struggled with this for years. And sometimes in that situation, what happens is I go to my husband and I say, Hey, Brandon, I'm really trying to avoid eating sugar or avoid eating desserts, or I don't want to eat any gluten right now. Can you help me? not help me remember not to eat those things. he's like, okay. And you can hear in his voice, he's a little hesitant. Like you said, you know, I want to make sure, you know, you said that you asked for my help here. And what happens? I'm sure you've, you've seen the situation or you've watched it play out in your own relationships where uh, we, we go along and I'm doing fine. And then something tempting comes along and, I come up with a really good excuse for why I need to eat that thing. Maybe it's a birthday party and I've decided that it's an early okay time to have cake. Or perhaps I am just tired and wanting to reward myself for a job well done that day. And so I pick up something that maybe isn't as good for me. Or probably the most tempting situations that come along are when one of my young children gets into the kitchen and makes a batch of delicious chocolate chip cookies and they are hot, fresh out of the oven. They smell like heaven. I picture heaven smelling like chocolate chip cookies. And, and there they are. And they're like, mom, mom, Look, I made cookies all by myself. None of them are burnt. They're all gorgeous. They all smell delicious. And here is my little child with these big eyes looking up at me, serving me one of their chocolate chip cookies. I can't tell you any temptation that is greater than that. Here's this child, chocolate chip cookie. Do you want one? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. How can you not say no? How can you say no to the to the little kid that's, that's just done such a wonderful job in the kitchen. And so there I am deciding, I think I'll, I think I'll take this. I think this is a good reason to do something different than the commitment that I made. And when Brandon's there, he comes in and like, Hmm, you know, Mary, is that really what you want to be doing? my thought in the moment is, why are you annoying me? Of course, yes, it is really what I want to be doing. But isn't he just doing what I ask him to do? He's keeping me accountable because I ask him to keep me accountable. And as believers, often we enter into an agreement of accountability when we decide to connect with other believers. When we say that we want Jesus in charge of our life and we come under authority of him and his church and and the other believers around us. The problem is we don't realize that we actually enter into an agreement for accountability. We think we're still autonomous a lot of times. And so when somebody comes along and says, Hey, I think you might be doing this wrong. We're like, Hey, that ain't your, none of your business. How about you go pay attention to yourself? Well, we do need to be paying attention to ourselves, but Part of the job as a church is to keep each other accountable. We don't like it. We don't like hearing that people are critical of what we think or sometimes judgmental. Maybe they're they're a little off base about what they think is wrong or maybe they aren't and we just don't really like being called on the thing that we're indulging in. Sometimes our pride gets in the way. But... The truth is that if you've entered into an agreement for accountability with someone, if you've said, yes, I will hold you accountable, whether by default or especially in a situation where you have verbally said, yes, I'm holding you accountable for this. I'm going to be here for you in this situation. Then the loving thing to do is to speak up. It's to speak up. We say, hey, uh, you, you asked me to tell you when I noticed that this wasn't working. And so I'm telling you that I think this isn't working. Or you asked me to tell you when I noticed that you're making this choice or that you're, you have convinced your brain that this is an okay thing to do right now. But I think you might be actually kidding yourself. That's the loving thing to do, to speak up. It says in Galatians 6, 1, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, so brothers, that means like we're talking about Christian believers who are in agreement that they are believers seeking to follow Christ. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. What this encourages me about is that this is a command for us to really notice when other people are messing up. And in gentleness, mention something to them. Say, hey, hmm can I have permission to give you some feedback right now? I, I think there might be some place where you're a little bit off. And that not only is this an opportunity for us to help encourage each other when, when we're experiencing difficulties in our life or feeling tempted or sort of sliding into things that are wrong, it also challenges us in our own lives. If I'm going to go and talk and have the guts to talk to somebody about their attitude or their their way of sinning against another person, by default, I'm challenged myself to uphold the same standard. Conversely, if I notice somebody else doing something that seems wrong and I don't go and talk to them about it, sometimes it can create this environment of feeling resentful like hmm they're getting to indulge their flesh they're getting to watch that or enjoy that thing and they don't seem to be punished by it and so and that would be nice i would love to like just give in to that temptation too and all of a sudden we open the door for ourselves to be tempted more as well this is a truth That isn't very pleasant to hear. And it's not very, like, it's not something that people like to talk about, especially now in the day and age of tolerance and let everybody just do their own thing, mind your own business. But the truth is that as believers, we are called to hold each other accountable. We definitely need to do it in humility and gentleness and kindness, but it is a loving thing to hold those people accountable when we've created agreement around that. The third one that I want to talk about is also one that isn't a very popular topic these days, but I'm going to hit it anyway. It's when false teaching is proclaimed, it's important to expose it. Ephesians 5.11, it says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And it goes on to talk about this in greater detail, but I want to really focus on that first verse of Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. This idea of exposing when something really is not following the truth that's being proclaimed as truth and what to do about that. And I've struggled with this myself. A lot of times our tendency is to, well, that's not what I'm doing, but you just let them be them and them do their thing and I'm just going to do my thing. And let that be the way it is. But it really is doing a disservice to people who are coming along behind us. They, they listen, new believers and Christians who are learning about the truth of Jesus and who he is and who he says he is are coming along behind us. And if we aren't speaking up and saying, no, this is a lie, this is not going to serve you. And here's why. We do them a disservice. There are things out there that sound really slick, that sound good, and they're not true. Let me give you a couple of examples of ways that things are slick kind of deflections away from God. One of them is a big one in our world today, the idea of forgiving yourself. How many of you have heard that you need to forgive yourself? Even has trickled into the church and into the phraseology of believers this idea that it's important to forgive ourselves. But I challenge you to look for a place in the Bible where it talks about the importance of forgiving yourself. In fact, I'll go so far as to say I don't think you can find a place where God discusses a need to forgive ourselves. Because when we sin, When we do something wrong, it's not against ourselves. It's against God. Forgiving ourselves is a slick deflection away from asking forgiveness from Jesus, from God, who is the only one that can redeem us, who is the only one that can give us that forgiveness, grant that forgiveness, or it's an offense against someone else we have we have offended someone else and we need to go and ask their forgiveness for the hurt that we've caused them there's not scriptural basis for forgiving yourself it's a little bit like owing yourself money um we talk about like owing different areas of our budget money or things like that but There's not a place where you can get so far into debt to yourself that you have to repay yourself. you, You can decide that you owe money to your business from your personal funds or you owe money to another person or you could have stolen money from your brother or you could have you can you can take money from from the government or there's all kinds of ways that we could quote steal money from other places but it's pretty difficult to steal from yourself and how do you repay it back to yourself same same idea with forgiveness we can we can offend someone else and need to ask their forgiveness we can offend god and ask for his forgiveness but this idea of forgiving yourself it's not biblical it is a way that the world is changing the connection, the unique connection that we have with our Creator, who is the only source to forgive our sins. And it is a way for us to try to do that on our own strength. I've looked up different places where people have talked about biblical examples of forgiving yourself. And it's interesting that most of the examples that people use are places where the Bible instructs us to ask forgiveness of God, where we go back and repent to him. Isn't that the way that the devil works? He decides that we really have, it, it's not really that important to go back to God to ask for forgiveness We just need, like, that condemnation that we're feeling and stuff, we just need to ask ourselves forgiveness. We don't actually need to repent to Him for anything. If we just acknowledge that we did ourselves wrong, then everything is going to be okay again. Listen, I think God has some grace for people who genuinely feel like that they're doing the right thing when they go through this process. And I think I think sometimes He allows restoration there. But it's not a biblical concept. It's not going to bring the life that he promises because it's off. It's off kilter from what he commands us biblically to do. We we ask forgiveness of God and we forgive others. We can make restitution with other people. That's biblical. But isn't that a slick deflection that the world has created that the church has even bought into? Another example of this is the phrase, I am enough. This one is a slick one. This is another false teaching that is proclaimed that we have the responsibility to expose. It's another example of this. And it's the loving thing to do to speak up. And I know you have different examples in your own life. When you see something that is wrong and we have people in our lives that we love that are wanting to walk in truth and we don't speak up and we don't say, hey, you're believing a lie right here. I love you. I want want to help you. This is a lie. We don't have to live in this. And it's this concept of being enough. You know, in the Bible, it talks about that there's nothing else we can do to be saved. It talks about how in our sin there's there's not there's not anything we need to get to that we're god saves us just as we are he loves us just like we are we don't have to change it also talks about how his strength is made perfect in our weakness and we don't have to be any more grand or be any more perfect or be more skilled or have more theological understanding or Have the ability to get things right any more successfully than we do right now because his strength is what gets us through. That's not about us being enough for the job. That's about God is enough. We are weak. We are not enough. God is enough. Now, if you want to use that phrase to say, hey, it's okay where I'm at. God is, God is capable of speaking through that. I get that. I get that that makes sense in that context. But what happens is that, we, that it gets twisted and we take this concept of being enough and then the world takes God completely out of it. I am enough for this situation. I am enough for this circumstance. I am enough as a parent all by myself. I am enough for for my husband. I am enough for my financial situation. No. The whole point of needing a savior is that we are not enough by ourselves that God is required. <laughs> That it's Jesus that pays the price. That it's Jesus that brings his abundance into life. That it's Jesus that brings the power. That it's Jesus that brings the ability. We show up and, and he does the work through us. <clears throat> That's the truth. That's the gospel. Are we enough? No. No, we aren't. <laughs> we are not enough. Jesus is enough. And so he makes us what we need to be in that situation. And by his grace, we become enough. We become what is needed. So in the context of being a believer and believing that through Jesus, we are enough. Yes. But without Jesus? No. The Bible says we're nothing. We're nothing without God. We, we're stuck in our sin without God. We're born into a sin nature and have no hope and are made from dirt. Like our, our ability to get ourselves to the place where we, where we are able to do anything is useless without Jesus. Now he does say we have value. He loves us. He cares about us. We're precious in his sight, but that's different than being enough. And this is one of those, the devil likes to deceive us and say that those two, he he slides them together. Because we have value, therefore we're enough. No, because we have value, he saved us and made us enough. Do you see the slick the, the slick switch there when we have the opportunity to glorify God and give Him the glory for what He does in our lives when we have the opportunity to hold other people accountable that are longing for change to be conformed more to the image of Christ and when we have the opportunity to expose the false teachings and bring people back to the hope that is offered in Christ Jesus, those are opportunities we have to lovingly speak up. So have courage today. Have courage that you're put on this earth to glorify God. This is your opportunity to do it. Speak up. Let people know what's going on in your life that God has done. Don't be afraid to say God did it. Maybe the doctor did give you medicine. It's still God that took care of that. Maybe you found healing. Maybe you were provided. Maybe you got an idea of how you could do something, and so your financial needs got met. It's still God. It's His creativity into. It's the Holy Spirit's prompting. It's the the courage to step forward and take risks. Give Him the glory. That is the loving thing to do because when we do that, when we speak up. We are permission for other people to glorify God too. We give courage and and inspire others. Hey, we can speak up. We can proclaim that God did this in our lives. And that's what I'm doing today is to is speaking up as an example that you can too. You can speak up where it's a little scary or it feels a little nerve-wracking. Maybe it's uncomfortable because you haven't spoken up recently about things like that or ever maybe. And so it feels really weird and you don't know how it's going to be received. Let me encourage you that it is so worth it. It's so worth glorifying the savior who saved us, who gives us life. There's a, there's a joy that comes in our whole being from giving him the glory that he deserved, that he still deserves. So love is speaking up. These are a few times when you can take that to the bank and use it for his glory. What one way are you going to be speaking up today? I encourage you to take some action. And I look forward to spending next month with you. We're going to jump into joy. So joy is up next. And I look forward to talking with you next week. Take care. You've been listening to Fruit Pursuit with Mary Aldrich, a
0: production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. To hear more great ways of growing your mindset in the fruit of the spirit, please subscribe. You can listen to other episodes and find additional resources at fruitpursuitpodcast.com. To learn more about Mary Aldrich and the coaching work she is so passionate about, visit maryaldrichcoaching.com. And by the way, what one next step are you taking today?